Part One, Chapter One, of Cupid in Africa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kevin Green. Cupid in Africa, by Percival Christopher Wren. Part One: The Making of Bertram. Chapter One: Major Hugh. Walsingham Green. There never lived a more honourable, upright, scrupulous gentleman than Major Hugh Walsingham Green, and there seldom lived a duller, narrower, more pompous, or more irascible one. Nor, when the great war broke out, and gave him something fresh to do and to think about, were there many sadder and unhappier men. His had been a luckless and unfortunate life. What with his two wives and his one son, his excellent intentions and deplorable achievements, his kindly heart and harsh exterior, his narrow escapes of decoration, recognition, and promotion. At cards he was not lucky, and in love he, well, his first wife, whom he adored, died after a year of him, and his second ran away after three months of his society. She ran away with Mr. Charles Stain Brooker, elsewhere the Herr Doctor Karl Steinbrucker, the man of all men whom he particularly and peculiarly loathed. And his son, his only son and heir, the boy was a bitter disappointment to him, turning out badly, a poet, an artist, a musician, a wretched student and intellectual, a fellow who won prizes and scholarships and such like by the hatful, and never carried off, or even tried for, a pot in his life took after his mother poor boy and was the first of the family since god knows when to grow up a damn civilian father fought and bled in egypt south africa burma china india grandfather in the crimea and mutiny great-grandfather in the peninsula and at waterloo ancestors with marlborough the stuarts drake scores of them and this chap his son their descendant a wretched creature of whom you could no more make a soldier than you could make a service saddle of a sow's ear. It was a comfort to the Major that he only saw the nincompoop on the rare occasions of his visits to England, when he honestly did his best to hide from the boy, who worshipped him, that he would sooner have seen him win one cup for boxing than a hundred prizes for his confounded literature, art, music, classics, and study generally to hide from the boy that the pains of praise in his school reports were simply revolting, fit only for a fellow who was going to be a wretched curate or a wretched schoolmaster, to hide his distaste for the pale slim beauty which was that of a delicate girl, rather than the son of Major Hugh Walsingham Green, too like his poor mother by half, and without one quarter of the pluck, nerve, and go of young Miranda Walsingham, his kinswoman and playmate, too damn virtuous altogether. Gad, if this same Miranda had only been a boy, his boy, there would have been another soldier to carry on the family traditions, if you like. But this poor Bertram of his. His mother, a Girton girl, a daughter of a Cambridge don, had prayed that her child might take after her father, for whom she entertained a feeling of absolute veneration. She had had her wish indeed, without living to rejoice in the fact. When it was known in the cantonment of Sittagur that Major Walsingham Green was engaged to Prudence Pym, folk were astonished, 
and a not uncommon comment was, "'Poor little girl!' In spite of the fact that the Major was admitted by all to be a most honourable and scrupulous gentleman. Another remark, which was frequently made, was, "'Hm! Opposites attract, what?' For Prudence Pym was deeply religious, like her uncle, the commissioner of the Sittagur division. She was something of a blue stocking, as became her famous father's daughter. She was a musician of parts, an artist of more than local note, and was known to be writing a book. So that, if opposites be desirable, there was plenty of it. Since the Major considered attendance at church to be part and parcel of drill and parade, religion to be a thing concerning which no gentleman speaks and few gentlemen think, music to be a noise to be endured in the drawing-room after dinner for a little while, art to be the harmless product of long-haired fellows with shocking clothes and dirty fingernails, and books something to read when you are absolutely reduced to doing it, as when travelling. When Prudence Walsingham Green knew she was to have a child, she strove to steep her soul in beauty, sweetness, and light, and to feed it on the pure ichor of the finest and best in scenery, music, art, and literature. Entered to her one day, pompous, pleased, and stolid, heavy, dull, and foolish, the worthy major, as she sat revelling in the, to her, marvellous beauties of Rosetti's Ecce Ancilla Domini, as she looked up with the sad mechanical smile of the disappointed and courageous wife, he screwed his monocle into his eye, and started at the old weary laceration of her feelings, the old weary tramplings and defilements of tastes and thoughts, as he examined the picture wherewith she was nourishing, she hoped and believed, the aesthetic side of her unborn child's mind. "'Picture of a girl with a grouse, what?' grunted the Major. Uh, "'With a... That there is no bird. I don't—' stammered Prudence, who, like most women of her kind, was devoid of any sense of humour. "'Looks as though she's got a frightful grouse about something, I should say. The young party on the bed, I mean,' continued her spouse. "'Girl with a hump. Might be a better title, perhaps, if you say she hasn't a grouse,' he added. "'Hump?' "'Yes, yeah, got the hump more frightfully about something or other. Perhaps because the other sportsman's shirt caught a light. Been smoking and dropped his cigar.' "'It's an angel shod with fire,' moaned Prudence, as she put the picture into its portfolio, and felt for her handkerchief. A little incident, a straw upon the waters, but a straw showing their steady flow towards distaste, disillusionment, dislike, and hopeless regret. The awful and familiar tragedy of incompatibility of temperament, of which law and priests in their wisdom take no count or cognizance though counting trifles, by comparison, of infidelity and violence, as all-important. And when her boy was born, and named Bertram, after her father, Dr. Bertram Pym, F.R.S., she was happy and thankful, and happily and thankfully died. In due course the Major recovered from his grief, and sent his son home to his place, Leacombe Abbey, where dwelt his elderly spinster relative, Miss Walsingham, and her niece, Miranda Walsingham, daughter of General Walsingham, his second cousin. Here the influence of prim, gentle, and learned Miss Walsingham was all that his mother would have desired, and in the direction of all that his father loathed. The boy, growing up bookish, thoughtful, and more like a nice girl than a human boy. Him Miranda mothered, petted, and occasionally excoriated, being an Amazonian young female of his own age, happier on the bare back of a horse, than in the seats of the learned. End of chapter 1